Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Baseline Podcast. I'm Ben, he's Josh, and we are back. We are back for another episode, episode 43. I got the episodes right this time. Uh, a few episodes ago, I messed it up. So, um, but Josh and I are back. I hope you guys have had an amazing week. Hope you guys are tuning in. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe it's, I don't know, has it been hot where you're at, Josh? Because it's been like 100 we are degrees. rolling through like the 90s. I was uh, actually up at the dunes up near uh, lake michigan uh i don't know if you could tell by the color but it's i think like red. last red. year you were the one that was a little pink on screen and i had to outdo you so here i am no, you're uh, more red red you're like bob the tomato um that's fun <laughs> christian joke uh so uh yes and it's been by the way it's been a hundred it was a hundred degrees for three straight days here by the yeah. way it was ridiculous. Like I lived here in Hungary for two years. I've been coming to Hungary in the summer for many years and I never remember it being this hot. Like it's just, it's ridiculous. But because our house, one has air conditioning, but our house is, it's so like compact that it just keeps all the cool air. So it's amazing. Kind of keeps it nice and cool. So it's like an ice box in a general. Um, but anyways, uh, we're here to talk sports. Enough about the weather. That's for other people's jobs. Uh, we're here to talk sports. And if you've been keeping track of our uh, baseline dot podcast Instagram page, that's where you can find us at. Uh, we've been posting a lot of different things from moves that have been having the NBA, some MLB drama, Watson drama, of course, and college football things are going on. So many topics today to touch. Uh, make sure you go ahead and go over there and follow us. Um, we'll be posting updates as we see fit. So Josh, the NBA is always a weird, it's a weird time of the year in the NBA, right? We always get these weird wacky moves that don't make sense. They're, we- they're just, yeah, they're just weird. Right. But I think this year it's, it's a little more streamlined. There's not anything too crazy, but there are a few moves that we want to talk about specifically. So Josh, what are some of those moves that have stuck out to you that you really want to talk about today? I think the biggest thing is uh, Kevin Durant requesting a trade, like something I guess yeah. that hasn't happened yet. And I mean, just the what was it back Two in years the ago? Winter, yeah, back in the winter, you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden all on the same team, and I mean, nothing can go wrong, right? Like this is the super yeah. team, all super teams. They're gonna run the league for the next three to five years, depending on like if their health can hold up. And I mean, now we're here into summer 2022, and there's a chance that all three of them will no longer be on the team by the end of it because Kyrie Irving is also looking for like, I guess, sign and trade opportunities as well. But Kevin Durant kind of orchestrated this whole yeah. situation. The Brooklyn Nets broke their back to go out and get Steve Nash's head coach to bring in DeAndre Jordan to make that James Harden trade. And now they're, they're left in basically ruins. And I don't know if you guys remember a while back when the Brooklyn Nets signed Paul George, Kevin Garnett, Jason Terry. And I mean, that was supposed to be a super team run the league to that ultimately ended in a colossal failure. I mean, I don't even really believe in super teams anymore, Ben, like just because a team gets three superstars, I'm just like, prove it kind yeah. of. At this point. Yeah. And also it's a uh, Paul Pierce, not Paul George, but uh, I'm not here to correct mm-hmm. you. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, I, I've always said this, right? Like I've always, my- <laughs> My issue has never been with super teams. I think it was just the Warriors thing because the Cavs were like on the high and it was just that whole rivalry. I think for me, it's like I've seen now, it's like the teams that don't necessarily have the super team that are kind of the kind of the ones that are really succeeding. I mean, you look at the Bucks, you look, I mean, the Bucks have two good stars, but the one thing I'll say that's different between Kevin Durant and LeBron James, and I always say this, LeBron James is loyal to what he says. If he says he's going to stick it out, he's going to stick it out at least until his contract's up, right? Like, I to me this this whole Kevin Durant thing, and I I I'm I'm frustrated at the Nets because they they seem to just get themselves in this. I think about every six years <laughs> they decide to go all in, and we know that Kevin Durant is one that you know it's you know he wants the ball, right? Like that's his thing, and you have. Kyrie Irving, who also wants the ball. James Harden wanted the ball. You Very paid ball four, dominant, ISO you, heavy. And you paid $40 million for DeAndre Jordan past his prime. Like this to me is something that's like you bent your back, but what guarantees did you have? Like you, all you were guaranteeing and hoping for, we get a championship first year that keeps us together. Like there's people saying, well, LeBron's going to leave LA. LeBron ain't going to leave LA because the money's too dang good. 
right? Like there's these kind of things, but you see Kevin Durant now wanting his way out. He's wanting to, you know, his push his way out. Um, and I'm really, I'm just interested to see where he ends up going. Like, who's going to take him on, right? Like, and who's going to take on the Kyrie contract? Teams that he said that he would be willing to go to. Some of them, unsurprisingly, being number one seeds: Phoenix Suns and Miami Heat. Shocker, right? Kevin Durant wanting to join a team that's already good and can win without him. Oh wow! I'm wondering who that's going to remind you of. Like, I, I know I threw out there on our on our Instagram page. I think Josh saw this. I threw out there. I said OKC reunion. I mean, that's a good young team. You throw a Kevin Durant in the mix. A reunion. OKC yeah. has picks on yeah. picks on like, picks. I'm Die just Gilles saying. Alexander, Chet Holmgren in the building. It's, it's a good team. Now they we'll have talk- assets. I don't know if they will. They will want to do that. I don't know if that even necessarily makes OKC yeah. tender. Well, yeah, and we'll talk about here before we move on, like of what where we think he'll land. But I think the interesting thing is, is you're hearing the. I, I'm interested in seeing also the Kyrie Irving thing because I think this goes hand in hand, right? Like I, correct me if I'm wrong. You don't believe that if let's say KD's gone. You don't think Kyrie stays like, it's pretty much like, I don't, if KD is gone, I see both Kyrie leaving, you know, KD's gone. I see some of even the role players. Do they start dumping salary? Like there's a lot of moves that they, now the nets are going poor Steve Nash. I mean, Steve Nash had a, a trio of all-stars and now he's going to be stuck with developmental in some cases projects. Um, I don't see where Kyrie goes. Like LA seems like it, but if we're going to have the whole vaccine issue, Kyrie Irving trade is reportedly being discussed. I can't remember if that was Shams or Woj that said that. I just love the fact that Westbrook is now basically like trade bait everywhere he goes. It's like, Oh, we don't need Westbrook anymore. I mean, the dude is getting paid 47 million. Yeah. And honestly, 47 million. I don't even think that trade would make either side any better to be honest. No. And that's the thing is like, you know, we go back to the, the, um, the whole vaccine thing. And again, whatever side you're on, it has been kind of ridiculous that Kyrie Irving couldn't play in half the games, but he could attend the games. And, yeah. and I think he'd be in the same boat. If that's what I'm saying. Play. If he goes to LA, it's the same thing. If they're going to keep I those think things. He would rather not play in that situation. I think he's trying to get out of Brooklyn because he wants to play and he can only play half the games as it stands. I right. would love, okay. I hate to say this. I actually, I'm not going to say this. I was going to say, I would love to see him in Cleveland, but Cleveland's got something good right now. And I don't want them to ruin it. Um, yeah. um, I would say this. I think it's going to be interesting to see where they land. Um, we'll talk about some of the other deals here in a second, but where do you think in this KD thing and Kyrie? First, let's do KD. What do you? Where do you think KD ends up landing up? What's your most – you would put the most money on that that's where he'll end up? That's a tough one. Like, Or Phoenix. top two or top two teams that you think would are the two that are in the front runner. Yeah, that's a, it's a tough one because, like, you look at – Let's just take Phoenix, for example, since that's one of the teams like one of their strengths right now is that they got a lot of good young talent and they're, they got a deep roster. And I guess I would think that Brooklyn would want Devin Booker to be part of that deal. I'm not sure Phoenix is going to part ways with Devin Booker. Yeah, Miami uh, certainly could uh, send a few guys to get Kevin Durant, but I honestly don't really know how much better he can make them. Like, yeah, to me. It would be a situation where a team has like a lot of good, maybe tier two guys, but they don't really have a team that could, or a guy to lead the way. Yeah. And I mean, you look through the landscape in the East, for example, Boston doesn't really need to make that move. Milwaukee doesn't really need to make that move. I don't think Miami does. Um, I don't know if that is something that Philly might be interested in, but again, and the question is, do the, do the Nets want to trade in the East? That's the other question. Do they want yeah. to just load up their own conference? Yeah. Uh, My yes. question is, though, is this. What, I've heard this from multiple people on like ESPN and stuff. They're saying, we saw Rudy Bo- Gobert go for three first-round picks. What does that mean Kevin Durant's going to go for? If Rudy Gobert's yeah. going for three first-round picks to Minnesota, which we'll talk about here in a second, what, what does that mean Kevin Durant's going for? Yeah, Bleacher I mean, Report made some trade scenarios up uh, that they think are very likely. And at least the one with Phoenix was they would send DeAndre Ayton, uh, Michael Bridges, uh, three firsts, uh, and two pick swaps. And it's like, man. like It's a lot for a guy that I know it's Kevin Durant, but he's like you he's been figure, like Phoenix is going to be finishing at the top of the West, so like those first-round picks don't really mean it a whole lot, but – I mean, still, like you, you're giving up picks. Or DeAndre pieces, Ayton? That's, Ayton, a, that's a future. Yeah, 
for a guy that's is coming Durant going to be 35 this year? And he's it's like 33 or 34, 34 and, and he's also like injury prone right now. And he's injury, injury prone. Yeah. So I don't know if I would be willing to give up that much. So I think you're going to need a team that's a little bit desperate too. I don't think any of these teams that are already like winning a lot are going to do that. I think it's going to be more like a team that maybe has a lot of good tier two guys, or maybe like is a younger team that has assets that can go and do something that maybe can make them win now. And off the top of my head, like I don't even think these teams are necessarily going to try to do that, but I feel like Memphis could be a team that has the, those assets that maybe they can go in and get like a number one guy. Like I, I think Jaws really good right now, but you pair him up with Kevin Durant. And I Ooh, that's, that's a deadly lineup right there. Yeah. So, but I don't think Memphis is going to go make a tr- that trade either. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not I, sure. OKC does that either. Like they have all the assets, yeah. with the picks, they got young pieces. Uh, yeah. It's a tough one. It's, I even saw Paulo Banchero advocating for an Orlando trade for KD. And I feel oh, like no. Paulo would be, going to Brooklyn and that yeah, that's the he, thing. He, yeah. The asset's gone. So maybe he shouldn't try to like get banished yeah. Brooklyn. So, yeah, I think I'm, I'm in the boat of, I, I think it's down to Miami and, and Phoenix. And I think even one of the LA teams, I, you can't count out LA and it's just like Anthony Davis is, for Kevin Durant. Dude. I think the Lakers fans would take that in a heartbeat. I Kevin think they would. And Kyrie Irving for Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis. Can you imagine that lineup of LeBron, Kyrie, and Durant? That's a deadly. That's also an injury-prone pair. Uh, pair with those two, but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I I don't really know. It's and it's one of those things. And I'll, I'll say this. I, my thing with this is is like, what are teams wanting to give up? We've seen now in the NBA that teams want to stick to what they've got. Like, look at the Cavs. Like, the Cavs are just adding small pieces. The Bucks, small pieces. The the Heat, small pieces. The Suns, building from it within. A lot of these teams aren't wanting to do super teams anymore. Or if they are, it's building within. Like, look the, what's happened to the Lakers. Look at the yeah, Lakers. The that was a super, team. super team. Like, the Clippers were supposed to have three rings by now, and they haven't won anything. And the Lakers, I mean, they won in the bubble, but they just missed the playoffs. And Brooklyn is now non-existent, basically. All three of those guys that I said earlier are probably going to be gone by then. And, the War- and let's be honest, the Warriors aren't truly a super team because they've really built within. It's just really just a team that they've developed. Like, again, it's not – they didn't add anybody like a Kevin Durant this time. It was literally just their team. Yeah. Um, so Maybe this is how NBA teams are kind of combating. Like, you know how it's like a really player-driven league. Like, the loyalty isn't yeah. really there anymore, and so it makes it really difficult to hold on to superstars like this. So maybe teams – I mean, we've seen some – like, I'll use Brooklyn again, super team that just blew up. Maybe the way that teams are combating, like, ever getting in that kind of a situation where they sell off the farm, sell the future, like – I guess the years of like continual uh, contention, maybe they are moving back more towards that because they're like, you know, you go and try to build a super team. And if you're lucky, you hold it together for like two or three years, you get a championship, then everybody leaves. And then you're left like at the top of the lottery for like the next four or five years. And maybe teams are deciding it's not really worth it. No. And I think the Cavs, the Suns, and, um, the the Grizzlies are three perfect examples of teams that you know really were in the ruts for a while and they went and they just built around one two guys and said yeah. hey we're gonna draft we're gonna sign some veterans and that's what's gonna go on so even Denver like Jokic, yeah, even Denver yeah, yeah. and Michael Porter Jr. all drafted by yeah. the team correct yep and, and it's and it's so I think it's the same thing with Kyrie. I really struggle to see how Brooklyn is going to get what they want for either guy. I, even more with Kyrie, like Kyrie, is he going to play all the time? Is the, the same with the KD? But I think with Kyrie, it's yeah, he's one of the best point guards in the NBA when he's there and mentally there. And we all know Kyrie can have his. Let's just say things. play when he's on the court. Yes, and that's the thing. And if he's going to be so, uh, I'm really interested to see there, but. Again, for me, for Kyrie, I would not be shocked if he goes to L.A., and I wouldn't be shocked if he goes to a team like, you know, Denver or some of these random teams that you wouldn't even think of because I think Kyrie, everyone wants Kyrie, but where does Kyrie want to go? Where do the Brooklyn Nets want to send him? So there's a lot of complicated things with that. Um, But, Josh, I did want to get your thoughts on the Rudy Gobert thing. What is happening with the Utah Jazz? Because a couple of years ago, we were talking about the Utah Jazz being a team that everyone was going to compete with, everyone wanted. And now it's like 
dude, you just unloaded the defensive player that, you know, a three-time defense player of the year, the dude that's at your middle, he's averaging 15 boards a game. Now I know him and Donovan Mitchell have had their own heat, but my question is, is the three draft picks worth it? Or do you think this is uh, Utah going to be unloading a lot more people in the future? Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see. Like, have they decided that they've kind of topped out with the Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert duo? Like, is four or five seed, like somewhere around there, like the best that they're capable of? And they're like, well, we've topped out. Now we got to like restart from here. Or do they use those picks to maybe try to add some other pieces or maybe package them up to get another player? I don't Kevin know. Durant. But I mean, it, it's kind of got to be a bummer to be a Jazz fan because when you look like the last couple of years, with the Rockets uh, parting ways with James Harden and Chris Paul. So you got to figure, okay, we can finish better than them. And then Golden State like has all these injuries. They lose Kevin Durant. They're a lottery team. You're like, okay, so that means obviously we're going to bump up, right? But then I, other teams like Phoenix have kind of passed them by. Denver. Denver has passed them by. And Memphis is pushing up there to probably pass them by as well. And you got to think, man, like what what did they do wrong? Like, And, and I – my question, though, uh, this is my more of my question, though. I, I do agree with you. I think this is it's very interesting. But what do you think about Minnesota? Do you think they reached a little bit on this? What are you going to do? Put two seven footer? Like, is that what you want to yeah, build your team good. around? That's that's, that's my question. That's going to be interesting seeing how Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert fit on the floor together. Like, I know Carl can, like, step out. He's got some range. He can shoot. But does he want to become a stretch four? Is that where he is the most skilled? I don't I don't really know. But I mean, you have D'Angelo Russell. You have D'Angelo Russell. You have yeah. some of these pieces. But Anthony let's be Edwards. honest. Towns is a guy that his average is a double-double. You're going to tell me you're going to have two dudes average double-doubles inside? Who's going to be the one that plays inside? Who's going to be the one that, you know, and it's, and Rudy Gobert, let's be honest. He's a five, like, like there's no, like that, that's where he do is. You want him out of the paint. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, is Carl Anthony Towns saying, Hey, I'm okay playing the four occasionally, maybe the three, if need be, you know, if there's anything, you look at the Cavs, they're the best team at doing four, seven footers out there at once and doing it the best, but those are different players. Carl Anthony Towns, he's a big dude. He's a thick dude. Like, he's a guy that should be banging down low, not shooting the jump shots. But then again, we don't know what the Jazz are going to do. I mean, sorry, the the Timberwolves are going to do. But also, is this a Danny Ainge move? Because if you remember, when he took over the Celtics, I believe that's when he also made a couple big moves there right in the first seven, eight months of his tenure as well. The Kevin this Garnett trade. Yeah, so th- this is where, for me, I'm going, is this Danny Ainge saying, hey, hey, I'm in charge now. Danny and is a really, uh, really good GM. So, I mean, he's got a plan. There is a plan and, and we probably don't see it right now. And I don't know how, like we said, Kat and Gobert fit on the floor together. But I mean, now you got those two, you got Anthony Edwards. You said D'Angelo Russell's still there. Yeah, I believe so. so. Yeah, I believe so. It's so interesting. Got- we, we got excited a little while ago when Minnesota had, uh, was it Wiggins, uh, Jimmy yeah. Butler? cat together as well and jimmy butler said that those guys were kind of weak and didn't really want to be there and then it kind of blew up and wiggins is gone now too but he's also the warriors though and he's just he's living a dream um so yeah we'll see what happens with uh, i guess this attempt yeah so we talked about these trades now let's and there's obviously some more trades that happened um brogdon went to the celtics um there's a few other ones i can't think off the top of my head um but my question to you, Josh, out of the signings or the extensions or signings, what are some of these that have stuck out, st- stood out to you um, that, that you think are, are very pivotal in, in, in this offseason? Uh, so we'll stick with Cleveland for now with Darius Garland. That's I huge. Think five years, $193 million, which is the richest deal the Cavs have ever given out to somebody. Yes, right? that's right. I think it also definitely solidifies how they feel about him in comparison to Colin Sexton. So, I mean, Garland, I guess this is our guy. This is Cleveland's guy. This is uh, the all-star, the future, the guy that they're going to build the team around if you're going to give money to a guy like that. And uh, I will tell this funny story here because you guys will enjoy it probably. I thought after we took Colin Sexton, I also thought Colin Sexton was going to be the best point guard in that 2018 class. So when we got him at pick eight, I was super excited. Um, And then when we took Darius Garland next year, who was basically an injury-prone one and done freshman from a small school. I can't remember where Vanderbilt. Van, okay, Vanderbilt. Yeah, so SEC, but still not like a powerhouse in basketball. And I was just like, we just literally drafted six foot point guards who are defensive liabilities 
back-to-back seasons. What the heck are they thinking here? And I mean, fast forward hindsight now, Garland is the better player. And maybe that was, uh, maybe they realized early on that Sexton wasn't who they thought he was. I still think Sexton's good, but Garland's obviously the better guy. They think he's the better guy. They gave him a lot of money. Yeah. And this is, this is uh, the centerpiece. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, as both of us being, you know, castings, we both, we both know that like, we see that this is what I see though, too. I think Sexton's a guy that can score, but also I think they're also in the back of my mind. I mean, this dude just had a really bad injury and we know in basketball, or I know from playing in basketball, uh, your knees are very important. Um, and I don't think you, that's why I don't know if they're going to pay Sexton at all. I, I, if he takes the qualifying offer, then it, they'll take it. But I don't know if he's going to be the guy that they spend a ton of money on, not knowing how healthy he is. Supposedly he's healthy. We uh, supposedly he's doing really well. But and my question too is: is like, do you really want to break up what was going on during that whole season? Like when he left the lineup, the you know Rubio stepped in and the team was doing really really well. I mean, obviously they went to their their kind of downfall at the end because of injuries. Um, but I'm interested to see because now that you put all the money into Garland, you're not going to have a ton of money left to you've already, you have a huge, huge contract with, uh, Allen. You have a huge contract probably coming up with Mobley in a few years. Do you want to get landlocked with that? And let's say he gets hurt again or he struggles. Now you're going to have struggles trading him. They don't want another like really bad deal that they've had in the past with some veterans and things like that. Um, I, I think Sexton is a guy that, again, I believe he's a very good scorer. I do believe Garland as an overall passer and everything is just a little bit better than what Sexton is right now. Agreed. Yeah. And that was an issue with Sexton coming out of college when he was at Alabama It's like, okay, he's fast. He can score, but he, it's not really the greatest distributor. He doesn't necessarily see the floor the best uh, for, I guess, better options or to be able to pass and move the ball around. But, yeah, so there's Garland, uh, Cleveland centerpiece. And speaking of other centerpieces, it looks like New Orleans is going all oh, in on Zion Williamson, who has played 85 games in three seasons. And the offer on the table, supposedly, from reports, is five years $230 million for an injury prone 21, 22 year old. Like I said, 85 games in three seasons. But to be fair, let's break down New Orleans yeah, I guess, situation here. So you have a couple options here. You uh, let Zion Williamson walk mm-hmm. and you get nothing out of him. He becomes a superstar, maybe somewhere else, and the injuries stop. That's one scenario that could have happened. Um, another one, you offer him maybe a little bit more money or I mean, a little bit less money, excuse me. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it seems like basically the norm is you give everybody the max contract now and anything less than that is uh, basically taboo is like, why would you even offer that? They're yeah. not take so that's another option, I guess, on the table, uh, a trade. But then again, with an injury prone player like Zion, Very injury prone. We were talking about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving earlier being injury prone. Like teams aren't going to be able to, aren't going to want to give Brooklyn what they're. But full they've value proven themselves. But they've proven yeah. themselves. So that's the difference. they have proven themselves at the same time. Yeah, Zion. I mean, he's been an All Star. We know he's really good. But is he going to be on the court? Like he just missed all that season. So they weren't going to be able to get him at full trade value. So it's like, do you give him this two hundred and thirty million then, and be, or just because of the fact that his ceiling is top ten player? <sighs> I'm gonna be honest with you, Josh. But I don't really like it. I will be honest with you. I'm gonna be honest. I hate this almost as much as you hate the Watson deal. And I'm not even a New Orleans Pelicans fan. Like it, this to me is like the Cavs going out and saying, "Hey, uh, player, whoever it would be, let's say, let's just say Garland had just went two back to back years playing like 20 games. And they go, "Hey, we're gonna give you the max, 200 and some million, like." Zion is like, okay, I've never, okay, I know I'm in the very minority here. I've never thought, like, I've watched Zion play, and I'm like, yes, he's an athletic freak. And yes, he can dunk it. And yes, he can rebound. But I look at him and I go, what else? Like, that's always been my thing, like, in this modern day age. Like, yeah, he can outpower somebody. Yeah, he can he can outjump somebody. But will he maintain his weight? Will Like, will he be able to shoot the ball past 28 feet? Right. Like, or like be able to shoot the ball even inside the, inside the, the three point line. And it's like consistently. Um, now I know that's not a big deal, but to me, 
if you're going to be an all around player, if you're going to say you're a top 10 player, if that's what he, you know, proclaimed all these people have been proclaiming, it's like, dude, I would take a one footed LeBron James over a, over a Zion Williamson. And that, that's just my opinion. And I know I'm in the very minority here. Like I've never been like, I know he's a freak athlete. And I, and I think that he could be, I, like I said, like you said, he could be a top 10, top 15 player if he stays healthy. But my question is though, does it look like he wants to be healthy? That's my question. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to say like what's true and what's not, but all the reports just kind of seemed like he was being lazy, not really taking rehab seriously, laying around playing video games, eating chips, drinking Mountain Dew, gaining more weight. Like we saw the photos and there was dispute whether those were Photoshopped a little bit There's or not. No and, and yeah, I mean, you got to wonder like how committed is he, how badly does he want to be out there? Because at least his rookie season when uh, New Orleans was kind of slowly bringing him in and they had him like on a minute, cap like he wanted to be playing but now that he's like making money and yeah in a position where he can make money has has things changed i the question is and i I heard this by someone they're like is this the new jamarcus russell and like that's the thing jamarcus never had stats that's the thing and that's the thing and but i've heard this thrown out there and you're like you know and i will say this i will be on that train if he doesn't play this next year if he gets this contract extension and he just plays maybe 15 games then i'll be like look this dude you do not want if you're new york's pellet new orleans pelicans this to be another greg odin situation because let's be honest greg odin coming out of college easily if he does not get injured and we everyone has said this he could have been a top five player in the nba his he is very similar to what Zion was. Zion is obviously more nimble, plays out of the outside of the paint a little bit more. But Greg Oden was the same situation, like a dude that you draft really high, the dude that you know, hey, this is our this is our centerpiece. And look what happened. He gets injured, and it kept getting injured, and then you know basically turns yeah. into to nothing. And so. I, I'm just, I, I hate this deal so much. When I saw it happen, I was like, you, this it's is just, very, it's uh, very different from the NFL where it's like, once you turn 28 or if you have like a season where you miss three or four games, teams will just cut you straight up. And then when you're in a free agency, they'll offer you like one year, 5 million. Like, yeah. And here's Zion getting paid based on potential, which is like, we see in the NBA teams will draft by potential, but paying by potential. I'm, I'm not necessarily as big of a fan of also Ben, since it just popped in my head. Um, who do you think plays more games in the 2022, 2023 season, Ben Simmons or Zion Williamson? Neither. They'd never played. I'm talking about this coming season. Oh, this coming. Oh, this sorry. This coming season. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, to be honest, they're both cut from, I think, pretty similar cloth. I think Ben Simmons really loves this celebrity lifestyle. I, I don't know this. I'm just saying from what I can watch and what I hear. And it's like, you know, he's injured, but then he's not injured. He's recovering, but then he gets injured again. There's that whole scenario, which, again, Ben Simmons is another example of someone that could be a top 15 player. He can't shoot. We all know that. Um but my question is, okay, so if I'm going to give you an answer, I'm going to say this. <laughs> Who wants more money? That's what I'll say. Because I – Right, because if they're going to get that second contract – or well, not second because technically they've both been extended, yeah. but that third contract will say. I would say this. I think it's going to be Ben Simmons because I don't trust Zion has it in him. That's just me. That's my hot take. I don't know if I, I – I don't – I haven't seen Zion – like. Obviously, I don't, I'm not in the training room, but I don't – I mean, dude, that's like two thorns right there, dude. It's like which one do you want to poke you less? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I think I agree with you that Ben kind of loves the celebrity lifestyle a little bit more. I think Zion loves playing basketball a little bit more, but we've also seen Ben in the playoffs kind of disappear and not really be the first team. We've also seen basically how he really hasn't improved his jump shot whatsoever since he's coming to the league so it's like where's the work ethic at there and I mean I don't really know what Zion's work ethic is like but I know he at least loves playing basketball I think he likes playing basketball a little bit more than Ben and then Ben likes the celebrity kind of life a little bit more but yeah I I think I would lean towards if I had to pick I think I'd say Zion will play more games next year Ooh, how many do you think he'll play yeah that's a tough one uh Let's go with 
he will play 40 games in 2022-2023 season. I'm going Ben Simmons, 38, Zion, 25. Actually, now that I just thought of this, Ben is still in Brooklyn. That's I'm just saying. Kevin I'm Durant just saying. Kyrie Irving might be done, but if he's in Brooklyn and he's Ben's, the main Ben's guy, been sitting and here, the pressure is way down. Dude, Ben's been at those at those dance clubs, just waiting for this yeah. moment. He's just not been playing, waiting for this moment. If he's the one guy in Brooklyn, like the one guy left, I would assume that means that Brooklyn's probably going to be almost a lottery team and no way a playoff contender or a championship contender. So since that pressure is way down low, maybe that uh, kind of brings him back onto the court just because brings him he back to play. Life. And maybe, it doesn't really matter if he wins. Maybe Brooklyn will be like the Russell Westbrook, Ben Simmons, like all these dudes that are just like lost right now in the world of oh, basketball. Man. Yeah. But so, yeah, anyways – Enough on Zion, right? You've heard my rant for the day. Um, <laughs> let's talk about some of these other moves. I'm very interested in move, one move is Rookie Rubio back to Cleveland. As we all know, he tore his ACL the second time he tore that ACL with Cleveland. They end up trading him for a trade exemption, which, by the way, brought them Karis Levert, which is a huge thing in this circle. But they brought him back on a three-year deal. No guarantee he comes back next year completely healthy yet. I think what that tells me is that the Cavs know what they want. They want to keep it glued together. They want to have the most consistency. They brought in Robin Lopez, which I think was a brilliant move, bringing in a veteran to be in there with another guy with Kevin Love to kind of mentor these younger dudes. Um, we talked about the two draft picks in Mobley and uh, Chabi, like Chabo, whatever you say his name. Um, Got to work on that. But that's one of my moves that I really think is just a, it's a smart move by uh, Altman and, and the front office there. That That's just on my take. Yeah. I'll move. Uh, my other interesting move is uh, Brogdon. We briefly brought it up. Yeah. Uh, yeah I'd yeah. like to talk about that one because that's like the other really kind of big trade that's happened so far is Brogdon to Boston. And I know Boston didn't really have a true point guard this last season. I mean, Marcus Smart was kind of running point. It looked like there, but now they got a guy in Malcolm Brogdon that is more of a true point guard, uh, a guy that you can rely on to run the offense. Uh, a little bit more and I think I can't remember who all they gave up they gave up five guys including Daniel Tice so the, the is, German uh, I believe he's the German the guy that's from Germany I believe I think so I can't remember somewhere yeah. in Europe but uh this must have been what Brad Stevens thought was missing maybe just having having that true point guard somebody that can run the floor and we've seen Brad make some good moves I trust him if I was Boston they needed to do something because I think you also got to realize that Milwaukee, Milwaukee might've been the team out of the East mm-hmm. in the finals. If Chris Middleton doesn't go down. So you can't just be satisfied with making it to the finals. You got to make sure you stay ahead, do what you got to do to stay ahead of not only Milwaukee, but we mentioned Miami as well, the, the better team Cleveland right? and Cleveland's on Cleveland. the come up too. Yeah. So I'm just saying I'm predicting now. I said it earlier, Cleveland making it, making it pretty far next year. If they stay healthy, I said that. That's that's my team if they stay healthy, but it is I'm biased. Um, yep. But another couple of moves that's interesting is that the Warriors are losing a few of their role players because they don't have money. <laughs> I think that's part of the reason why. Well, well, Gary, gone, so Gary, Pay- Gary Payton, he went to Portland, I believe, or uh, he agreed to a guy that said he wanted yeah. to stay in Golden State. Agreed to. Well, they only offered him like the not the minimum, but like a really short contract, and he he wanted a three. Uh, uh, a three-year contract uh, or something like that. So I think he got like a multi-year contract from Portland, I believe it was. Uh, There's another backup that ended up going to the Lakers. Uh, he was from the Bay Area. I forget his name right now. But so there's just a few of the minor guys, not not anybody huge yet. But yeah, I thought they, they just, kept Looney, but... Yeah. yeah. And then, then you have the Lakers, not the Lakers, the Clippers signed John Wall, which I think is very fascinating, uh, seeing John Wall head out of of, of Houston. Um, my man, by the way, as a high state fan, I do have to shout out to Jay Sean Tate getting an extension with the Houston Rockets. Just saying he got his extension. Uh, I'm, I'm happy for that. We didn't mention with the Pelicans, by the way, that EJ Liddell is now there to replace Zion Williamson. I'm kidding. Pelicans fans. If you're listening, I'm sorry. That is why they just, I'm just kidding. Um, anyways, that's a lot of moves, and there was obviously other moves. Uh, right. Jokic, we could Jokic do a side, whole yeah. two hours about all these moves. But yeah, there's we have a lot so of many other things to talk about. Uh, but also Jokic. I mean, Jokic signed a, 
uh, a big time um, extension. I think big like time $70 million. Ridiculous. Yeah. Sign a big extension. You know, there's obviously all these other moves that I'm sure we'll touch on in the future if they, they come up to be an importance. Uh, but speaking of free agency now, Josh, one of the most interesting stories in sports this week that I, at least I think it was most interesting was uh MLB free agency, which is like, wait, that's not this, this time of year. You're right. It's not this time of year. But we found out that Freddie Freeman fired his agent due to something that happened in the offseason that he didn't know about that allowed him to get a huge contract in L.A., but then he's really ticked off about. Anyways, Josh, please explain it because it was very funny when I first read it. I actually thought it was like a joke. I didn't actually know it was serious. Absolutely wild, yeah. So basically – the rundown here is that Freddie Freeman wanted to stay in Atlanta, but his agent was trying to leverage them for more money. And basically uh, they had a, a deal to keep him in Atlanta. And then his agent uh, like pulled the plug on that and then gave Atlanta like a new uh, demand and gave him 24 hour notice. Like, you know, you got 24 hours to respond, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like get back to me when you can. And Atlanta looking out for themselves as well. Just like Freddie has to do what's best for him. Atlanta has to do what's best for them. And they're like, shoot, we aren't going to be able to pay to keep him. And so they go and make a move for Matt Olson, which basically is like, well, they're not going to get Freddie now because they got their first baseman. And then I wonder how sick that made uh, Freddie's agent feel that he just kind of screwed Freddie, what, what Freddie really wanted, you know? So, I mean, they got, they got the money from LA but that's not where Freddie wanted to be. And like you said, he didn't know that any of that happened. He was yeah, finding like, out a yeah. lot about it when the Dodgers returned to Atlanta. He got his championship ring. He was getting staying ovations. Uh, he's crying on the field. He's crying really hard in like these postseason or not postseason post game interviews. And I guess he learned a lot about what happened exactly in the offseason from being in Atlanta. And so his agent got fired basically immediately. And it's a really awkward situation now if you're like the Dodgers, I'm sure. But also, Ben, like, what the heck, man? Like, I'll, I'll say this. Agent doing? One thing that I will take from this is that there still shows me there are, there are players that truly love the team that they oh, played yeah. for. And that, to me, shows me that there is still hope for these guys. Like, as much as I bash on Joey Votto and that the Reds suck, yes, I finally say it after three weeks. They still suck so bad. Um, I had to say that today. Um, just, it's it's been missing. I've been missing part of my heart for that. Um, but Joey Votto, it's the same thing, right? Like, the dude loves Cincinnati. I don't know how many people love Cincinnati. Let's be honest. Like it's a great yeah. city, but like no one really loves it as much as he does. I think Freddie was the same way. Like if you ever, when you saw him, when he had said he was going to LA, like you could tell, like when I was watching interviews, I'm like, he doesn't want to go to LA. I couldn't believe it. Like, yeah. It, like it me because it's like, Freddie is Atlanta. He loves that city. That city loves him. Like why is he? And I wouldn't be shocked. And, Why was and, this not solved the season before, like an extended or an extension? Well, I also say this before. though, he was, so supposedly the agent also never told him about the last offer that Atlanta made. And that's, what's yeah. frustrating to me as someone who, who has this is been a guy around, supposed to be working for Freddie, exactly for what he wants. And it's, it's someone that has been around the sports has been around a lot of different things. I over here in Europe, you hear about contracts, you know, there's a lady that runs a volleyball club. I, I look over her contracts in English to see how they are. And it's like, they make sure everything is told right up front to the player, to everything that's going on. And to me, it's just fascinating that a player would go through the whole process. The dude that is paying your bills, by the way, this player is making money so that you then have the money to then go do your things. This is why I think so many players, you're seeing more and more players now almost go without an agent. Or they go with like their best friend. They go with their best friend or they go with someone that they trust because these agencies nowadays are, are asking for money. They're asking for more of these fees. And these players are like, dude, this is my life, right? Like I don't have an agent looking for teaching jobs for me. If I did, I would trust them to do their job of finding one, not to take me out of it. Um, and I'm sorry, but like I have no sympathy for, for this dude. Like I really don't. Um, I would hate to be an LA Dodger fan because I would not be shocked. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but maybe in a year and a half, Freddie goes to them and be like, look, I really don't want to be here, you know, or I, I definitely see Freddie 
after this contract or somehow making it back to Atlanta. I see I him going know, back to Atlanta. Matt Olson signed a pretty long extension over there. Yeah, I mean, but you also the DH now in the NL. That's true. That which also that plays uh, plays a big difference. And I think Nationally I would not be shocked team. if Freddie Freeman somehow squirms his way back down to Atlanta. Yeah, six, uh, but, years, six years with the Dodgers, which I think he's he would be 38 or 39 when that deal's up. Yeah, but, sign a one-year deal. You yeah, know, look, look at Joey Votto. I mean, the Joey Votto, we freaking got him under contract until he's 105. So, um, <laughs> sorry. I just, I hate how the Reds are playing. Um, anyways, uh, we all know the Guardians are amazing. You don't have to say anything, Josh. Um, so, anyways, yeah, it, it's interesting. Josh, I want to ask you this. Like, what's your take then, man? Should... Do you think like where, what do you think the role of an agent should truly be? Like when it comes to the negotiation, what do you feel like an agent should be truly doing? Yeah, I think I think agents, I mean, you got to have the player's interest at number one. Like your job is to do what they want. And it sounds like what this agent was doing was he wanted to go to, LA. to get more, maybe, but trying to get more money. Uh, out of Atlanta because that obviously means bigger cuts for him for being able to get Freddie that deal. And I think he overplayed his cards just a little bit too much because I, I don't think anybody saw Atlanta making that trade for Matt Olson. No, no. So I, th- I think that might have been his initial intent was we'll keep Freddie in Atlanta, but we're going to finesse them into giving us like way more money than uh, what we initially planned. And it's all going to be good on my end because I got Freddie back in Atlanta, what he wants, and I got myself a bigger cut. And then the Matt Olson trade kind of screwed all that up. So then he was like, oh, no. Well, maybe not, oh, no, because like you said, get to go to L.A. (laughs) So, which uh, also brings out extra opportunities for agents as well, having clients uh, out in, you know, the Cali market. But yeah, I think an agent's priority is supposed to be the player's interest and uh, helping them uh, meet all their demands. So I don't know if there was just miscommunication uh, on phrasing because I, I really hate kind of uh, making Freddie out to be the victim here too. Like, dude, this guy works for you. Like, why did yeah. you did you not make this clear enough or why did you not like talk to Atlanta a little bit more? Like, how did you not know all of this happened until like just this week? Like, I feel like he either trusted this guy way too much or just didn't do like enough on his end either. Stop. Yes. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation. I'm sure we'll hear more in the future, but talking about stopping this, Josh, it's your favorite moment of the week so josh please lead into our next segment because we all know it's your favorite moment to talk about we thought that we might be talking about deshaun watson's suspension today but unfortunately we are only talking about the conclusion of the trial and uh the players association and the nfl uh discuss things tuesday and wednesday and thursday i believe and what has come out, Ben, is that the NFL has no evidence of any kind of wrongdoing on Watson's part. No coercion, uh, no prompt, no like pushing, no uh, like, you know, uh, no legally things that are done wrong. Right. He didn't do anything wrong. Basically, they didn't have any proof that he did anything wrong. And they're still pushing for indefinite suspension, which they have acknowledged is unprecedented. And the Players Association is like, what are you talking about? You can't suspend him the whole season because you don't have any proof. Like we've seen the NFL suspend guys for um, being accused of things like Ezekiel Elliott's been suspended for being accused of domestic violence. And then it came out that those charges were made up. Ben Roethlisberger has been suspended for uh, rape allegations. And it came out that I think those were made up, or at least it was like a little bit more, uh, I guess, on consensual yeah Yeah. so now we're here in this spot again and it's like we have no evidence here and are they going to be able to give that kind of suspension because i believe zeke's suspension was like six games tops and then he appealed and got it down to maybe four ben's was like four games or maybe even less than that and they're going for indefinite here with watson so if the nfl gets their wish and shoves indefinite suspension on deshaun watson do you sue the nfl for wrongful suspension if you are deshaun in the players association yeah, of course. Like we're in this world of the freaking media just knows everything. Guilty like, until proven innocent. Like, like, look, Johnny Depp was a perfect example of someone that fought for the fact that, like, dude, I have done nothing wrong. I have literally been 
you know, I've been told by the media that I'm the bad guy. And it's also funny now that this is pop culture, but it's funny now how now she's turning around and saying, oh, the internet caused me to be found guilty. It's like, no, you you started this. You made it a whole thing. Um, Now she's trying to play the victim. Yes. And I'll say this about the Deshaun Watson thing. I know that you've had your, if you go on her Instagram page, you can hear his rant. It's very epic. It's very, very point blank. And I get why Josh was upset, especially with the trade and the guaranteed money. And there's a lot of things I've said this an indefinite suspension is ridiculous. And what message as an NFL are you trying to send that anybody who comes up and says something now, you know, you have an offensive lineman that I don't know, gets to, you know, drink, you know, four beers, but the person says he drank 20 and got drunk and then pushed her off a cliff. Like, no, like you can't like I just I know that there's pressure from from L.A., the media world, from from all these women. Like, again, I'm all for if something happened, that the crime be punished. But I am not for no matter how I think morally is wrong or anything like that. I do not have time for people, their lives. That This is his livelihood that you are messing with, that you are. He already missed all of last year. You are messing with this man's livelihood because you want to make a point and you're using a human as a way to make that point. And to me, it's ridiculous. Meanwhile, I'll remind you that Calvin Ridley is serving an indefinite suspension, most likely for the whole season for betting on a football game that he didn't even play in. AKA Piro. Let me remind you too, that, uh, uh, I mean, while this is going on, we have uh, the Dan Snyder investigation going on, too. I think that's a congressional hearing. And that I mean, that's just looking like a clown show more and more, too. Like the NFL is clearly protecting its owners and they're just like treating the players like like dog crap for lack of a better term. No, it's true. The NFL, the NFL is now the the new it's 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 the new hollywood of 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 sports it it truly is it's to me this has become political and sports is the one place josh we have been honest on the show from the beginning when me and you started doing this that we we truly believe that the sport should not be about politics sports should not be about saving face like if someone does something wrong then then yes punish them but if someone has done something that you don't, you're afraid that it's going to affect you and your brand and your money, I'm sorry, but there's no place for you to ruin someone's life. And I know, I know you're going to have people say, well, what about the women and stuff like that? I'm not saying that th- what they said is wrong. If it happened, it happened. But there's been no proof. He's had been said he's not guilty. He's gone through two criminal trials and he was innocent on both of them, not guilty. He has been the suits, a lot of the suits have been solved. He's been taken like I I just have this issue. Like I'm not saying this is a Browns fan either. I'm just saying this is a fan of the NFL the NFL of football in general. What precedent are we setting for our younger generation that you can then be you can be doing your job? You maybe might make a mistake, but you did nothing legally wrong. But now your own job is now hung up in the balance because of what someone else says, because of words that are, are they true? Are they not true? Because as far as we know, a criminal trial said he's not guilty. So, so, so how come the NFL is now playing God? That to me is what is so frustrating about the situation. And Again, I'm not saying this just because I'm a Browns fan. And Josh knows that we're pretty point blank when we talk about this. We're pretty, we're, you know, and as much as you hate the contract, as much as I sometimes hate the contract in general, I also look at Deshaun Watson going like, like, what's this man thinking? Like, he's like, dude, I just want to play football, right? Like, he just wants to play football. Like, you know, and again, I, if he did something wrong, punish him. But NFL, please stop, stop playing this like, ultimate judge that you think you have to save face well we have to prove a point like what point are you proving what point exactly like what I mean, point are you proving proven not guilty twice i mean we can talk all day about like what he did not being morally right but, but yeah but what's, day, what's the same with it's the same with guys going out and getting drunk 
and yeah. they go home. Morally, we don't think that's right. Or go out and we see somebody that that you know smoking cigarettes or smokes weed and then gets suspended two games or whatever or whatever it is. You know, like to me, it's like you're just making an example out of somebody because you want to have an example out of somebody, but also he'll be then suspended for not suspended, but basically out of football for two years, you've yeah. basically taken two years out of this guy's life because of what you thought you could do to solve it. And it's, it's tough to return after sitting out like just one year. We've seen that with like some of these guys that have retired and then come back. Like they don't usually come back exactly the same, but I mean, two years, that's, that's tough. And I'll, I'll just say this just so that everybody's clear. I hated the Deshaun Watson trade largely because I felt it was unnecessary because we already had Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. But, I mean, if Deshaun Watson didn't do anything wrong, like, obviously, I don't think he should be suspended. Like, that's silly. Like, that's – I mean, that's – injustice to be honest like if, if the nfl gets its wish with an indefinite suspension here with no evidence of any wrongdoing like that's just messed up yeah and and it's you know we can talk about baker too like where do we think baker is going to be what's baker going to do like you know i think he should stay with cleveland for at least the six games or at least this year get his money or whatever you know we could debate that all day right but I think what we found out this week is that the NFL is out to try to prove a point and they want a, they want they want to, they want a sacrificial lamb and that person's name is Deshaun Watson. And just like the, just like John Gruden was kind of that sacrificial lamb with the Dan Snyder case, like all those emails that supposedly had, you know, all the dirt and about everything that was going wrong in the organization. And they turn it from a Dan Snyder case into a John Gruden inspired case. Yeah. What the heck? And that was the sacrificial lamb. And again, we, you know, if you have a different opinion than us, then like, please share it. Like, we're not saying that like, we're a hundred percent right on this, but I think we both can agree though, that there is nothing that he has done that's legally causing issues as far as we could see from the NFL's point of view, from the criminal point of view. So what else are we waiting for? Are we scared of the 28 women, 26 women that they might sue the NFL? Like what, what is there that you're so like scared of as a NFL that you're, We've, we've shown, right, we've seen in this world nowadays that less people are wanting to be less worried about politics, right? Look at some of these movies that have come out. What are the movies that have done really well, Josh? We've seen Top Gun. Top we've Gun's seen, we've seen the, new million, the new Minions movie that's just about fun and love and hanging out and enjoying it. What have we seen the movies that have struggled? The ones that are about politics, the ones that have made family not important. These, so these weird, these things that are just become this, this nature of what, of what now everything has to be around. Why can't sports be sports? Why can't movies have a great message and just be fun to watch? Why, you know, and there's a bigger message to this that, you know, I could be going on and on about, but uh, I just think, I think Josh, you can say this as well as for me is that if he did something wrong, punish him. If he did nothing wrong, let him go. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So kind of uh, continuing that take on let's uh, let sports be sports. Let's end the podcast here with a fun sports discussion. The Big Ten is adding USC and UCLA in 2024. Two teams that are competitive both on the football field and the basketball court. I think that uh, it's a huge win for the Big Ten. Uh, I know everybody's kind of excited about the L.A. market even though USC doesn't even sell out of football games, even back in their heyday, they had absolutely nobody show up to the Rams Super Bowl parade in LA, but they always show up for the Lakers, even when they absolutely suck. Like the LA market, I, I think it's a little bit overblown, like how valuable it is. But I mean, these are two teams. It's going to draw a lot of attention from the East coast, like in the Midwest, the big 10 crowd. Yeah. They're going to be watching. They're going to be tuned into watching these teams. Like, and think of all the potential. Yeah rivalries that could come up from this like an ohio state usc big 10 championship like that would be absolutely insane like that was the rose bowl rivalry like for years and years and years and years was like osu and usc so i mean the only negative i see out of this whole thing is that usc and ucla being all the way out on the west coast anytime they have a road game they're going to have to have like the worst travel 
ever to be able to make it happen because like the nearest team to them is Nebraska. But try imagine taking a road trip from to Rutgers. Not a road trip, but a flight, yeah, to Rutgers. Imagine not being able to play in the Southern California weather and you're going to like Wisconsin or Rutgers or any of those teams Minnesota. play in the snow. Yeah. It's not going to be the most fun for them, but they are making a lot more money being associated with the big 10, because I think they're making like 30 million with the pack 12 and Rutgers makes a hundred million. I think from the big 10, those are like rough numbers. If I'm rem- I don't think they're exact, but pretty close to that. So, I mean, it, they're making more money in the big 10, the big 10 crowd is going to be watching them a little bit more. So they're going to gain a little bit more viewership. I think it's a, it's a slam dunk. What do you think, Ben? I don't know. Like I'm both ways, man. Like first off Notre Dame, you're a bunch of wussies. I'm sorry. Like I, I've said this for, I mean, how many years, Josh, have we heard as growing up in Ohio, how many years have we heard Notre Dame should join the big 10? How many years? I, I think most of our life, we've always heard this makes sense. You're in Indiana. You're right next to the, all the big teams in the big 10, but yet they want to be independent. I wonder, I wonder how long that's going to last now. I really do. I, I really do. Um, we'll get, I'm, I just wanted to mention Notre Dame because of what Marcus Freeman also said. So just, I'm a little salty right now about Notre Dame. Um, but no, going back to USC and UCLA, I, I do believe it's good for the big 10. I, I, I do. I, I'm just worried we're getting to this two mega conferences and then, that's what I'm scared of, honestly. Like I, I think we are definitely on our way to like a AFC, NFC, or Eastern Conference, yeah. Western Conference with like the Big Ten and SEC. Like it, I think we're gonna unless the ACC make some kind of insane move where maybe it's Notre Dame because I do want to point out when Notre Dame joined uh, the ACC in 2020 for that football season uh well part of the agreement was that if notre dame ever decided to join a conference at least until 2026 this was the deadline it had to be with the acc so interesting after 2026 the big 10 could be in play but for now if they want to join a conference it'd have to be acc so unless the acc uh makes a play on like maybe they beat big 10 to to notre dame just because of that uh, agreement maybe they're able to pull uh I mean, it kind of makes more sense for West Virginia to not yeah. play in the Big 12. Maybe the SEC instead, or not SEC, ACC instead, like grab some of these teams that are a little bit more close around here. Maybe get a couple of like some of the better G5s. Like I know that some of those like UCF and Cincy are headed to the Big 12. So that's going to be interesting seeing like how the Big 12 and Pac-12 kind of go from here because – I imagine Oregon and Washington are going to try to get out of the Pac-12 next, and maybe they move to the Big Ten, and then this. Or maybe plays- you see, or you maybe you see a Big Twelve Pac-12 merger. I wouldn't be shocked with that yeah. either. But this plays into again, like your your two mega conferences. So yeah, I'll let you continue that, kind of with that. No, it, it's I'm just I don't want it. Like I I'm a very like I, this is the thing I'm new school, but I'm so old school, man. Like I remember growing up, and you know this, waking up on a Saturday morning watching college game day, seeing them go through the each conference. Hey, the, what's happening in the big 12 this week? They have all the previews. I mean, what's it going to be in seven years? Are we going to lose those conferences? Are we going to lose some of the traditions, the the teams that can play each other? Like, are we, will we lose the high state Michigan rivalry? Will that be gone? If there's two mega conferences, because we don't have enough every year, we have to switch teams. Like, right. There's a lot of unknowns. The reason why I brought the Notre Dame thing is because it's like, you really want to join the ACC, you know, to play football. If that's what you decide to do, like you have a chance to, you know, have a great conference schedule, but no, it's just, it's Notre Dame. Um, uh, I'm sure my dad that's coming on in a few weeks, will have plenty to say about that. Um, but I think for me, Josh, I, I, I do, I do. I, the one thing I don't get is, is why the big, t- I mean, I get the big 10, but like you said the travel schedule and that's what popped out to me. Like I'm thinking, what if USC has to play back-to-back road games against Rutgers and let's say Penn state, do they stay in New Jersey area? Do they come all the way back? Like the kids have to have classes and it's just, it's really fascinating to me. And it's the same for Ohio state or Rutgers. Like they're gonna have to travel all the way to, to LA to, to play these teams. Um, I really will say, though, I think there are at a disadvantage when it comes to playing in the winter or like the late fall time. Imagine them going to Minnesota in early December or, or late November. Imagine 
USC taking their team to Minnesota or to even uh, to Wisconsin at like, you know, when it's minus four degrees and it's snowing and they're just like, oh, like, uh, I don't know what to do. You know, is Lincoln Riley ever going to, you know, is that going to be funny? But I will say what's funny about Lincoln Riley is there's that joke that he ran away from the SEC and now he gets gets thrown into the Big Ten. I just yeah. think it's really funny. I think it's fascinating. Yeah, I think this also means that the Big Ten is going to have to reorganize divisions because, I mean, we would assume that USC and UCLA as it stands would play in the Big Ten West. And then yeah. now you have, what, nine teams in that division yeah. and seven in the... I think you would see, so. I think what you would see is that I can pull up the divisions here. Um, Big 10 West. I think what you could see is, um, if I remember right. Do you uh, maybe bump Purdue from the West to the East and then you have eight and eight? I think so. The West, okay, I don't care about Bing. Um, uh, I would say, yeah, I think you, I think you would see, I think that's one that you would see. Um, I also think that, let me pull up here. Um, or maybe they'll ban divisions entirely. Yeah, I, I don't see them doing that. Uh, I don't. I think you. Eh. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think here. Who? You'd, I guess Purdue would be one of them. I think Purdue moves over to the to the east. Then maybe no, no, Northwestern. Purdue's more east. That's true. Purdue is more East. Closer to Chicago. Purdue, like Central Indiana. Yeah. And I use already in the the East. So So the East is like Maryland. It's uh, Maryland, Rutgers, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, State, Penn State, and you, I believe. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Illinois is kind of West, though. Iowa's West, Nebraska. Purdue would make the most sense. Purdue would make sense, and then maybe you throw a Northwestern in there or or maybe even Illinois. Um, But if you do the no conference thing, then you're going to lose a lot of rivalries. You won't see the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry maybe every year, Ohio State-Michigan rivalry, like – you know, and I think also that money factor. I mean, think about it. The Big Ten now has New York, New York City, New Jersey, New York City, and they have LA. Right. They now have the two biggest markets locked down. The SEC doesn't capture, have that. If they can capture like a Texas Tech to just get like the state of Texas tuning into to their conference, they'd be making some dough. Um, yeah, it would be. So, so yeah, it's it's going to be interesting again. So give me thumbs up. You think thumbs up. This is a good move for, for the big 10. I think it's a win-win both sides. Yeah, I do. I think there are going to be a lot of PAC 12 faithful that are really, you know, ticked off at, at UCLA and USC, which it they should be. be, which yeah. I understand. It's the same thing with big 12. Like I had friends that are like, why is Texas leaving? Well, first off money, second off uh, competition. Um, I, I think the, I, I think what's going to happen is there's going to be some type of merger, I think, between the Big 12, Pac-12. They're going to come together and say, hey, we're going to just form this big conference of 18 teams. And I think you'll have the ACC and then maybe another another conference will join the ACC and they'll have that big conference too. Maybe you'll have four big conferences and you'll just have these four ginormous yeah. conferences. And by the way, this is also frustrating because guess what also didn't get bumped up lately? The college football playoffs. So it's still four teams. So something's got to change scenario, ben where we have like 10 years down the road we have two mega conferences it's the big tennis yeah. sec and that's it do you think that they adopt a similar nfl style playoff system yes. where each co- conference puts out eight teams or six teams I, I would say you have like you know six seven teams and then maybe you have a bonus team from another non-big conference so maybe you'd have like two the top two teams outside of the two mega conferences would join as like a wild card just thinking like sec like very realistically georgia bama oklahoma texas a&m texas texas will be there florida i'm hoping will be like a regular (laughs) wait wait, hold on what what did you say florida Florida? lsu has their years so it's like that's eight teams that would Florida. be, I think, wow. very fun to watch in a playoff. And then flipping to the Big Ten, uh, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, USC, uh, sometimes UCLA. If they end up adding Notre Dame or if one of these other teams, like, I mean, it could be like eight and eight, and then the Big Ten's champion plays the SEC's champion. 
in the national championship. All, all I'll say is that Ohio state is sitting in a great position. That's what I'll say about that. No, I, I do agree with you. Yeah, I think that's what it would be. I mean, I don't agree with you that Florida is going to be. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm giving you a hard time, Josh. I'm wondering, I'm sorry. Too, like, since since they're kind of in this region, if Clemson ends up leaving the ACC. I, for the I've said this. I would be shocked if Clemson joined either one, the Big Ten or the SEC. But also they Dabo Sweeney. going, listen, like being able to be kings but listen, of the ACC. But. We know that Dabo Sweeney thinks Ohio State's an 11 seed. And we know Dabo Sweeney doesn't like change. Right. Um, remember so him and Jim Harbaugh, remember him and Jim Harbaugh are buddies. Like they just think that they can win based on the one time that they win. Like they do something good. Like Jim Harbaugh can't even get Lloyd Carr's grandson to, to Michigan. Also Jim Harbaugh gets stuck in airports, which is really funny. Um, but I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I love it. I love the move. I think, Again, like I said, I love the move, but I'm still kind of like, okay, what's going to happen for the future of football? Not for the Big Ten, but the Especially future of football. Especially like if Oregon and Washington end up leaving the Pac-12. I would like, see Oregon leaving. Crazy. I don't know if I see Washington leaving. Because- I say Washington just because like the Big Ten like really cares about academic standing. That's true. As SEC, I, know, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, as far as I know, like or like Stanford would be another team in that and kind of in that because of how smart they are. But, but do you want them really in I don't know. Uh, like it doesn't really make the Big Ten's competition any better. But I mean the Big Ten, that's something hey, that they really I say I say we have conferences based on state. We just have fifty conferences. Just let's put Cedarville in the D one and let's just roll with it, right? Football team for Cedarville coming i'm just kidding just a long shot there um no i i do agree with you it's gonna be good so yeah i i think it's gonna be a great a great sight to see in a few years to see oklahoma texas moved on and it'd be cool to see new things but also please please just keep somewhat something the same um so we said maybe we'll go back to the bcs i'm sorry i said that for all of you that that hate the bcs <laughs> all the auburn fans that missed out yeah. on um, despite being undefeated <laughs> Uh, but anyways, that's what's going to be for today's episode of the podcast. Um, make sure you stay tuned to our Instagram at baseline.podcast. Both Josh and I will be posting different updates, um, different things. We'll be hopefully giving updates when we have guests coming up. Like I know uh, in a few weeks, uh, you'll have my dad coming on the show. You'll have a few other people that we're hopefully going to have a come on the show here soon. Um, Josh will have another rant probably in a couple weeks about something. Um, I will have a rant about something else other than how we NFL plays, you know, government now. Um, but all of that you can check out on our Instagram page. And if you also have if you also have loved the episode of the podcast, you've been watching it, go ahead and click that thumbs up button, hit that subscribe button and the notification bell. You can find all of our old podcast episodes on the channel over there on YouTube. And then if you're also loving this on uh, Apple podcasts, Spotify, as Josh would say is the better of the two, um, then go ahead and make sure you favorite our podcast, share with your friends and family. Once again, thank you so much for joining us this week. Hopefully you have a great 4th of July. By the way, Josh, we never even said this. Happy 4th of July, because that's when this is coming out. Absolutely. So we love our country. Uh, Go have fun with your family and friends. Have a barbecue um, and enjoy the freedom that we are, um, that we should cherish very deeply um, uh, as I'm seen as I am in Europe right now. And it's it's something that you should cherish. So go enjoy with your family. Have a great week and uh, we'll see you next week. See ya.